Thank you. How y'all doing? You guys good? Let me grab my table and we'll, we'll get going here. Um, something I've never been called before, a Mexican female. So, <laughs> just kidding. It was awesome. Josh is amazing. Thanks for honoring me. Thanks for the gift. Um, thank you, guys. Mighty men of valor. Hey, uh. It's, it's been a fun week and a lot of fun things going on. And honestly, like, in my opinion, like, for Mother's Day and Father's Day, a parent wants a full house. Like, they want to see their kids. And for me, in this role, it's coming here and seeing all of you and just being able to be a part of your lives. You're not my people. I think there's some pastors that, that uh, almost kind of have that mindset of, well, the, you know, the members or whatever are my people. No, you're the Lord's people. The Lord has just given me an opportunity to be a part of your life, to touch your life, maybe help lead you to some truths or, or whatever it may be in the Lord. So, so I just want to, every year, one of my favorite traditions is I give my kids gifts on Father's Day. So this morning I gave them a gift and uh, write them a handwritten card and I printed off some poems that I wrote for them. And um, so for me, uh, I just want to thank you because just like with my kids, without you, I wouldn't be a spiritual dad. Without you, I wouldn't be fathering, uh, in a fathering role in a church. I, without my kids, I wouldn't be a dad. So that's why I get them a gift. It's my favorite thing to do. They lavish me with love and honor and uh, gifts on Father's Day. We make a pretty big deal about Father's and Mother's Day at our home. Um, but for you guys, I, I feel the same. You're what makes me a father, and uh, it's an honor. It is an honor. I didn't want to be a Christian 14 years ago, let alone a pastor. And uh, to, to, for the Lord um, to just grace me with this gift is just honestly humbling, and it's really amazing. So thank you. Give yourself a hug. That's from me. All right. Um, actually, a little lost for words right now. So I, I just... I'm so blessed. I've got a rich heritage, and, and I will get into in a moment about um, Papa Jack Taylor and just a legend of faith that he was. Um, but man, I, 14 years ago, roughly 14 and a half years ago, I, I made a decision. And um, let me just, I didn't make a decision actually. God uh, invaded my heart, my life without permission. I did not believe in him. I did not want anything to do with him. And he literally... Um, uh, he was a thief of my heart and my life and imparted his spirit to me, and it was this crazy encounter. And in that, I gained a heavenly father who I call Abba. And uh, so I've got this cool thing that I've got uh, the most amazing, perfect dad in eternity. I've got a world-class dad on earth, my dad, Greg. And then I also have, we're going to honor him in a second. And then I have a spiritual dad uh, who I call spiritual father, a mentor, uh, a dear person to me, Leif Hetland. So it's kind of like the trinity of, of fathers in my life. Uh, I've got Abba. I've got a fleshly dad that's world class. And then I have spirit, a spiritual father. Um, but man, I just, I would love to personally honor my dad and who's the founding father of this house. And uh, we also got you a card and a gift. I, I got him one as a son, as a, as a blood son, but we as a church got you a card too. So, Dad, are you able to walk at least to here? And let's honor my dad. Hey! So, here's a card. Can you stretch your hands out to my dad, Pastor Greg? 
Lord, we just thank you for the heritage. We thank you for the legacy uh, that, that my dad has, has bestowed on all of us and me, the upper room, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you for his dad, and we thank you for legacy. We thank you for inheritance, and Lord, I just thank you. We just pray that today and beyond, he is honored, he is loved, and Lord, as he fathers us and many others, Lord, we just thank you for this man of God and his yes, and his, his brand being pulled out of the fire. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, Dad. All right. Is it cool? I started a tradition. Is it a tradition now that it's two years in a row? So I started a tradition last year, dad jokes on dad's day. Can can I read you some stupid dad jokes that my kids helped me find yesterday, or at least Evelyn helped me find on a car ride? All right. Uh, Hopefully they're not repeats of last year, but... uh, Live stream's not working today, so no one will know anyway, and you guys won't remember because you won't remember what I speak next week. So, uh, just kidding. All right, dad jokes. What did the shark say when it ate the clownfish? This tastes funny. What do you call a sleeping Tyrannosaurus Rex? A dinosaur. What do you call cheese that's not yours? This is an easy one. Nacho cheese. Yeah, we've heard that one. Why does a duck have feathers? To cover its butt quack. (laughs) We don't say some of these words in our house. We don't say butt in our house, but just forgive me for today. What did the triangle say to the circle? You're pointless. Why should you never give Elsa a balloon? She's going to let it go. (laughs) What do you call a dinosaur? We say toot in our house. What do you call a dinosaur toot? A blast from the past. (laughs) That's a pretty good one. (laughs) I personally liked that one yesterday. I think that was Evelyn's favorite too. Why did the mushroom like to party so much? Because he was a fun guy. (laughs) Last one. What's what's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm. (laughs) All right. Yeah, um, I just want to kind of catch you up. We... There was a memorial service. Um, so there's a legend of the faith. He's spoken here a couple times. He's spoken into to Nicole and I's life as well as our church. And uh, it's Lave's spiritual father, Papa Jack Taylor. Just a, a legend in the faith in general. Uh, Baptist roots had this a crazy revival breakout in San Antonio. Um, just got to hear a lot of stories. So this weekend was a memorial service. And uh, the, the, one of the wealthiest men in San Antonio a few decades ago uh, owned several strip clubs, a dozen strip clubs. And he uh, found himself in Jack Taylor's uh, living room one night and gave his heart to Jesus. And that led to citywide and even trickled into some national revival. Um, and then San Antonio started experiencing this. Strip clubs started shutting down. Bars started shutting down. It was this radical revival uh, that Jack Taylor was a part of and led this man to the Lord, uh, wrote a best-selling book. And uh, he was, um, I believe he was in his mid-80s. I think he was getting ready to turn 87. I, I can't remember from memory. But uh, anyway... It was like being at my grandpa's uh, funeral and memorial service, and I kind of looked at Jack as a grandpa, and uh, those of you who don't know, I'm a third-generation pastor. My, my dad's dad, Dorsey, uh, was a pastor, and at his funeral, these men lined the aisles as the casket went out to the hearse to go to the cemetery, and there was at least 60 to 100 pastors there that had come out of my grandpa's ministry from under him, and we, we know there were several, uh, a few hundred that went from there and generations down and still growing, and uh, 
so at this funeral, it was the same. It was very similar, and it just felt really cool because I kind of looked at, at Jack as, as literally a spiritual grandpa, and I told my siblings this. I decided to work on my testimony a few extra years, um, so my grandpa didn't get to see me in ministry, and um, so it was pretty heartbroken. You have a guy that's been in ministry 60, 70 years. I don't know how long Grandpa was in ministry, but many, many decades. And, uh, you know, I, I always long for that wisdom, for those questions. And with Papa Jack, I found some of that and got to ask some questions that I would have asked my grandpa. And uh, so just honoring him was a privilege. And uh, it's honestly why I wore this shirt today because, uh, excuse me, I, I cried like a baby reading a poem to my, Chloe reading a poem that I wrote to them a couple years ago this morning. We all just sat around the, the island of our kitchen just crying. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but at any rate, I'm a Mexican woman, so um, I'm identifying as that right now. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. So anyway, um, it, was just, it, was a, it was a service of legacy. And, and I, just, I left there just with a new awakening, a fresh reminder, as well as some fresh revelation that I really want my life to be a legacy I really want, um, you know, at a funeral one day, if the Lord doesn't return first and get the upgrade that way, uh, I really want people just to, to really say the things that they were saying about Papa Jack and, and my grandpa and, and others, that, that we've all been to those funerals, like, he was a kind man, he loved the Lord, no matter what, he put Jesus first, he loved people, he allowed anybody, uh, he fathered anybody who would allow that, and poured into every life who would allow that, and those were the things that, that, that I was hearing, his generosity and different things, and um, one of the things that stuck out to me was that he was just a father to everyone who allowed it. And he was just one of those guys that was just fatherly. You could, you could just be around him. My dad was around him for just a, a short bit on a couple nuggets and a couple areas. And, and, and I know at times he said, he's like, yeah, he was kind of like fatherly. And uh, that was just the kind of guy that he was. And um, I, I just think this, there's, there's many dads, and Corey confronted it a little bit, but I want to go into a thing with statistics. I'm not going to read them, get into that right now. Uh, everybody say uh, Father's Day. Father's Day. Sonship. Spirit of adoption. That's going to be the message today, but just briefly here, um, one of the curses that's facing, a plague that is facing our nation is fatherlessness. And just to be really honest with you, many people can have children, but not everybody fathers or mothers or parents those children. So a lot of people can be a dad, but it's a whole other thing being a father. And, and that's the thing with Papa Jack and a choice that we get, not just with our blood kids. And you may be young in here. You may be yearning to have children at this point in your life or whatever the scenario may be. But we can father and mother. We can mentor. We can disciple. We can pour out. We can love unconditionally to the people around us. And uh, the verse that came to mind was that, you know, there are many dads but not as many fathers, and it reminded me of the verse in 1 Corinthians 4.15 where it says there's many teachers and tutors and instructors among you, but not many fathers. And for me, that was just a call this weekend, being at a memorial service, a call to be a father. And I'll just be honest, like we've got some new babies in here. Uh, we got new babies coming. If you didn't know this, it's Facebook official. Jason Mormon and Kelsey, Jason who's always running around with the camera, they're expecting a little baby. All right, we're excited about that. 
I know we wish the grandparents congratulations, but there's a little Rasnick baby in this place today somewhere, I believe, still. Um, but at any, there they are. So anyway, something happened a, a couple of months ago. All these babies started coming, and, and I began to hold um, Kels, uh, Cody and, and Kaylee's baby, and I began to hold Mike and Jackie's baby. And I'm like, man, something shifted. Because to be really honest, I was only ever comfortable holding my own babies. Everybody else just awkward. Even nephews or nieces at times are just like, it's kind of weird. Don't puke on me. Don't poop, please. You know? But now I'm like, come on, give me those babies. Let me see those babies. I, we will babysit. And I really mean it. I'm like, go on dates. Drop them off at our house. Go to cold water. Have yourself a nice dinner. We'll watch your babies. Like, I, I have this, like, I'm in love with these little babies right now. Something has shifted in me, and it started a couple years ago from being a son to being a father of this house. And, and, and I don't, I, it's kind of weird. Like, I've been the pastor eight or nine years here, but there's something that's shifted in my heart that I want to father. I want to I wanna pass a legacy. I literally want my ceiling to be your floor. We kind of announced that, you know, within seven, eight, nine years, we, we want to even move in a transition of being like grandfather and grandmother here and, and championing the next movement and the next generation. That's, that's what we want to see. And, and there's this father's heart that's happening. And, and, um, but the thing is, there's many tutors, many teachers, but not many fathers. But I kind of want to get around to and eventually circle back to, in order to be a good father, you got to be a good child. In order to be a good parent, you have to be a good son or a daughter. In order to be a father, you have to be a son first. And that's where it starts with, and Jesus demonstrated this on the earth, so we're going to get there. But Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says this. It says, to the fatherless, he is a father. That was the verse on my heart in the last few months leading up to this. We have some changes along the way of what I want to deliver today and what I felt like the Lord was, was wanting me to speak on. But it says, to the fatherless, he is a father. And I want to just touch on that for a moment here. There's so many... Um, rejected people or people with father wounds and people with abandonment issues or even been abused by their fathers. And it was this, this conviction for me to present this, this scripture that Jesus is the perfect father. And a lot of times we want to look at church leaders or pastors, and it's this thing called transference that, that will hold them to the degree of our father and will almost idealize them or, or hold them to the standard or they become that position in our life. Then when they let me down, it replaces, and now that becomes that same trauma that happened to me with my dad or that person I was holding them to esteem in is that same thing. I believe in, a, in some degree we do that with God. And all of a sudden, if this thing doesn't happen that we wanted to happen, if this prayer isn't answered the way or the timing in which we thought it should happen, all of a sudden we blame God and now we compare him to our earthly father that he left me too. Or he at times wasn't there for me. Or he at times hurt me. Or he at times didn't know how to respond to me, Right? And so there's this thing, well, I want to hear it to just confirm to you that is not true at all. Jesus has never left you, forsaken you, abandoned you, abused you, manipulated you, taken advantage of you, or turned his back on you. Never, ever, ever has he or will he ever. Amen. Psalms confirms, and, and it says, he is father to the fatherless. To the widow, he is a champion friend. The lonely, he makes part of a family. Imagine that to the lonely, no matter your circumstance, maybe you're single, maybe it's not a dad thing, maybe it's a husband that did that to you, or maybe you're longing for that husband or whatever. To the lonely, it says that he's, he makes you part of a family. We're going to get into this here in a minute. The prisoners he leads into prosperity until they sing for joy. This is our holy God and his holy place. For the rebels, there's heartache and despair. God's a really good father. And with a good father, you know there's never any failure. 
That's, that's the greatest thing about being a child of God and a son. And, but a good father doesn't see failure, only room for improvement. Let me share a story with you. I've shared and alluded to it, but um, my daughters, they enjoy hunting with me. And last night uh, at dinner, we, we cooked some steaks and grilled out, hung out the pool, played some games, and it was a lot of fun. And they run around taking turns of their favorite times with me or their favorite things about me. And then they begin to prophesy over me and, and give me scriptures and different things. It was really fun. We, we do this on Mother's Day, Father's Day, and birthdays. We share with each other our favorite things. And so Evelyn, she said, my favorite thing with you, and I had already had it in my notes to tell the story about Evelyn. She's like, my favorite thing with you is hunting with you. And then Nicole joked around, and she's like, yeah, and you got a lot of hunting with Daddy this year. So here's why. Once they kill a deer, it's, it's the other person's turn, okay? So Olivia, she got her, her buck really fast, and uh, she got it. We got to it. Chloe doesn't care to hunt. Uh, we're going to pray for her and try to impart that to her. No, her and I, we watch movies together instead. And Hadassah, she has no interest, I think, because the first time I ever took her hunting, I had her in a chair, we're looking, and she just stared straight for two to three hours. And I was like, are you okay? I'm checking on her. And then I was like, do you see the deer? Do you see it? They're coming. Here they are. She's like, and then all of a sudden she stood up. She looked at a wall that she couldn't see over for two to three hours and never said a word to me. So she doesn't like hunting. Um, So... May have been boring for a four or five year old at that time. So, staring at a wall, how did you like timeout? I mean, hunting. So, it was the worst timeout hunting experience ever. So, but Evelyn, she, uh, I took her out. I was like, this is your year. I started with her. This is your year to hunt. Olivia kind of crept in there and got one real quick. But I was like, this is your year to hunt. Uh, You're going to get a buck this year. Olivia got one next year. I'm going to spend my time. Uh, I mean, opportunity presents itself. Buck, broadside, nice one, 20, 25 yards. She's using a crossbow. We've trained. We've practiced. We have, we have hit target after target. They have to hit three bullseyes in a row every year for me to let them have, be entrusted with that. Boom, misses. All right? And let me just fast forward for the sake of time. And uh, we go out again, and um, she misses. And then that deer comes back. She misses again. That deer comes back a third time in the same night, and she misses again. And about the fourth time out hunting with me, no, let me just say this. About the 27th time out hunting with me, the fourth time getting a shot at a buck, she misses again. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. So we would practice. We would get the target back out. Like, okay, what's happening? What are you doing? And and she's breathing. She's getting nervous. Well, then halfway through this season, I realized she wasn't wearing her glasses. She would wear her glasses to target practice, but not her glasses in hunting. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So I may not be the greatest mentor in hunting, so you might want to find a different mentor if you want to learn how to hunt. So at any rate, um, we, we finally get to this day. It's gun season, and you guys, through the, the season, you kind of knew about this journey because after church on Sundays is usually when we would go hunt. And uh, so it's gun season, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting her hot chocolate ready. I'm getting myself coffee, and I look out, and, uh, and what was the name of the buck we called? Chocolate? What was it? Do you remember? No, no, Austin was the one she missed a couple times. I forget. It was like chocolate or something because it had really dark antlers. I was like, chocolate's out. I was like, we're trying to get our boots on. I was like, I got the gun. I was like, we'll just belly crawl. So we belly crawl underneath the trampoline. We're there. He's standing there. I call Nicole. I was like, don't come home. She was on her way home. Don't pull in the driveway. So all of a sudden, she drops the thing. She's never shot on her belly. It was 130 yards, drops that thing. Now, all of this time, I never looked at her as a failure. 
All of this time, I said, what can we work on? It was only times of improvement. It was only things, what can we get better at? What am I doing wrong that you're not being set up for success? That's a father's heart. That's the father's heart towards you. I know that was a really long story to get to that point, all right? But that is the father's heart to you. You can't mess up greater than what he loves you, greater than what he sees the potential in you, greater than what he sees you in that fire that he's pulling out to bit fresh clothes and a fresh turban on. You are a priest. You are a king, a queen. He says he is the king of kings. He calls you a royal priesthood. You're in this kingdom of heaven called a family, right? And, and, and he looks at you with the eyes of the most proud father. And there is so much love, so much agape love in his, in his heart and in his realm that each one of you are his favorite ones. And it's true. It's not like, no, I'm better. I'm his favorite one. No, I'm his favorite one. And Steve with his awesome shirt today is his favorite one. And you're his favorite one. And Chris, with the matching shirt of me with legacy, is his favorite one. Because that's how good God is. And a good father makes you feel like we're all his favorite. My dad made all of us feel like we're his favorite. When we're spending time with my dad, we're his favorite in that moment. And it's true. Because he's a good dad. That's the father that we have. He is father to the fatherless. Let me, let me read one more verse here before we get into the meat. Proverbs 17.6 says this. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children, though, are their fathers. I, I just wanna, I wanna focus on John 17 as this picture, this heavenly picture of a child and a father and then bringing glory to one another. It says that a, that a child's glory is their father's. It's plural, actually. And I'm not trying to push this agenda for spiritual fathers or whatever. I know there's some, some mixed things on that. But there's fathers in our life that are fatherly, that speak into our lives, and that can, that can love us and coach us and champion us and cheerlead on us and encourage us, right? Paul had the gift of encouragement. That's what a father does. So whether you call it a spiritual father or not, there's these people in our lives that we want to bring, that, that part of that is our glory. Jesus was the greatest example of this. And he came to the earth to bring his father glory. And this is his prayer in John 17. I'm going to read through a good portion of it. John 17 starts off, and he starts with this prayer in verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. I can't help but Proverbs 17 isn't connected to John 17. I, I as I'm reading this, this has been one of my favorite verses, and, and we'll get to part of this in a bit. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father. This is the Son's heart to the world and to the Father. And he says, that I may bring you glory and that you're bringing me glory. That's the father-son relationship. That's the paradigm of sonship. That's the paradigm that eventually you're not just changing diapers. You're actually becoming best friends, and you're speaking into one another's lives that you're giving advice to each other. I talked to Bruce the other day and his son, Zach, and he's like, man, what a great relationship and what this is and how we talk now. And, and I've talked to other of you and, and, and the, the changing of empty nesters. We've had conversations with, with Steve and Josh and how this is changing their lives and what this looks like to raise children that you've had to take care of and you've had to provide for and literally help them make every decision and change poopy diapers and feed little mouths and clean up spit up and all these things, to now watching them get engaged and, and pursue life and make career choices and maybe then eventually have children. Some of you are grandparents and even great-grandparents. 
It's this beautiful thing that eventually it's not this thing where you're just having to take care of them. Now it's this thing to where you're adding value to one another's lives. And then eventually maybe they'll take care of you. Can I share this about Hadassah? Is that? Okay. Um, Hadassah, she's six. She knows how to wipe her own bottom. But at times she just likes us to do it. I don't know why, but... On number two, sometimes she likes a little help. So I'm not going to deny it, and I wipe a little bottom, and I smack her little rear end and wash my hands. I'm like, all right, you flush. It's just this thing we do, all right? But every time I do it, I was like, that's okay. I'm building up the times when you're going to have to wipe mine. <laughs> and she's like, Daddy, no. So every once in a while, I'll be doing my business, and I'll be like, Hadassah, it's time to come pay up. No, Daddy. <laughs> so eventually there's this exchange that maybe eventually they may have to then take care of us. I hope not, but maybe. Anyway, let's skip to verse 5 and get really on track here. I've got a ton of content if we get there. You're only going to remember those stupid stories, though. <laughs> Something about poop and dung and wiping bottoms and... I think maybe there was something on there about Father's Day. I don't know. Verse 5 says, now, I'm skipping a little bit. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Now, this was Jesus, fully flesh, fully man, but fully God, saying, bring us back to the glory before the foundations of the world were created. We were, we were one in heaven, creating in our image the world and all of creation, Right? And then we get into this thing where, where Jesus is, is having this story, and I'm going to skip several verses here, but it's this, this, this exchange with him and, and, and God. He's praying to the Father, to the Father. And, he, and he's saying, like, like, let the world see what we have. Let these disciples forgive them. They're walking with me, but there's others that aren't walking with me. You know? And then, then we get to verse 20. I'm just going to pick up there. I'd love to read 17 first. I'm sorry, media guys. 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Does this sound like worship, grow, go? Just as you sent me into the world with assignment, with purpose, I want to send them. And it says, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. This is family, kingdom family on mission. The father and the son glorifying one another. Then we get into the meat here. I'll finish out this chapter starting at verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they, this is generational. I'm not just praying for these disciples, these 11 or, or possibly 12 disciples at this point. I'm praying for those that hear their message for the generations to come that they'll be glorified and they'll bring you glory as well and they'll be saved and met holy and set apart. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. You know the difference between a son and a father is a father gives it all away. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Everybody say the kingdom is family. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given to me be with me where I am. 
that they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and the disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. This is, this, this is a prayer of family. Bring us together. Those who believe in you, let them bring you glory. Bring them glory. Let them be holy. It's this prayer of this exchange of the son's heart to bring glory to the father. And I love that because that's what sonship is. Sonship is not focusing on what I don't have. Sonship's focusing on what he has. It's this thing that brings us into the family. See, the kingdom is a family, and if he didn't want family in the Lord's Prayer, he wouldn't have us call him our father. It's this family that brings us together. And let me just tell you, it's not a dysfunctional family. It's, it's not a family. I know Corey was referencing things in his past and his family's history, and, and I have a ton of stuff in our history. We, we had a lot of alcoholics that were uh, grandparents and above. We had bar fighters, literally bar fighters, and even professional boxers. Most of them had alcohol issues, and they were rebel rousers. And on both sides of my family, and the lineage of that is, is pretty true. And some of it became very dysfunctional. I remember my grandma telling stories to my dad that he relayed to me about her uncles or, or different things would come in the house, and literally furniture would be broken, and they'd clear furniture and have all-out fist fights in the house. Different things. That, that's not a functional family. L let me just say that, that there's, this, there's this beautiful thing in, in, in God's house that the family is the functioning unit of love. That the government of heaven is family. And let me just say that the economy is love and relationships. That's, that's the kingdom family. But here's, here's what's happened. And, and we're called to this home. We call a body or a church. Or bride, we call this home, right? But we don't live here. That's because it's a family. It's an atmosphere of acceptance. It's an atmosphere of love and joy. And you get to be yourself. And you don't fail. You just get room for improvement. And every time you get knocked down, you get back up. That was one of the favorite quotes I had of Jack Taylor was, he's like, I said, what's the keys to the success of the kingdom? He's like, every time you get knocked down, just get back up. He said, because you're probably going to get knocked down a time or two. I was like, oh, that's good advice. I'll do that. But here's the thing. God's intention for us always, even back to Genesis 3 when he had Adam and Eve and put them in a garden, was family. was in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. was this, was this generational plan of procreation and, and him putting the seeds in us and, and doing this thing that was a family. It was a family in the garden. And all of a sudden, they messed up. And I'm just painting this picture because there's certain things that separate us from the Father, but nothing separates us from his love. He's never separated from us, but at times we step aside and we walk away and there's a verse in the Bible that says sin separates us from him. Because there's a disconnect that I'm choosing the, my selfish nature over my, my love for the Father and my uh, want, a willingness to want to serve him. Grace forgives me every time, and grace is this beautiful thing of, of what, what the Father's forgiveness looks like. But a true son, it says that you'll, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Not obey my commands, then I'll love you. No, if you love me, obey my commands. It puts it on us. We get this choice because he's a loving father. So back to that. They make this choice, and they make this mistake, and they fall in the garden. And then all of a sudden, they, they're naked, and they realize it, and they cover themselves. That's shame. And shame a lot of times is trying to convince us of who we're not. Guilt reveals something, but shame keeps us there. Conviction reveals something, but it's shame that often keeps us there. See, the cross paid for it all. 
The cross made us free in sonship and, and being children of God. It freed us from sin. It, se- it freed us from the entanglement of bondage. And it freed us from all shame, everything. We're totally free by the cross and what Jesus paid for, right? So anyway, we get to this story, and then all of a sudden, G- God asks this question in Genesis 3. He says, where are you? That was never a question. He's God. He knows where they are. Like, he can see everything. He can feel everything. He can hear everything. He's God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. So the question was never this question of what did you do. It's where's your heart? Where are we relationally? Are you going to choose me? Are you going to walk as a son and a daughter? Or are you going to walk with the enemy in these lies and the shame? And then all of a sudden, they post guards up, and he's like, i got to remove them from the garden, because if they had eaten from the next tree, it would have been eternal separation from the Father. And he is so loving and kind and good that he never wanted to be separated from us. So he devised this plan to bring Jesus back to the earth, to, to manifest himself onto the earth, to die for us and connect us back to the family because of our fall. That's a good father. We made a mistake as humanity. We made a choice as humanity, but then he connects us back to him through giving his only begotten son who paid a gruesome price for us to be connected back to the kingdom family in heaven forever with this Abba Father. Let me, let, me, let me move on here. So John 14, 18 says this. He promises us this, and he promises to Adam and Eve This is all eternal time here. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is when Jesus is promising his spirit to come. He's promising, like, I'm not just going to leave you here on this earth as orphans. I'm not going to leave you here as orphans when I go up to heaven or when I die on the cross. He's telling them. He's like, I'm going to come to you. And we, the last few weeks, have been going through this, this journey of Holy Spirit being poured out. Well, today I want to tell you about the spirit, his spirit in the realm of the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of, of knowing that we can cry out, Abba, Father, knowing that we're children of God, that we're sons and daughters. We are little boys and little girls just like playing in the nursery right now with this great big dad. And let me just tell you, in those classrooms, they're not carrying a junior version of Holy Spirit or a little, a little kid version of God. They've got it all, and we can actually learn a lot from them. Most of them still have their joy. (laughs) Do we? Most of them still have their naiveness to believe everything the Bible says. Do we? Most of them actually said, man, if it's in the Bible, we can do it. Let's see the dead raised. Let's see blind eyes open. Let's see a revival of an entire city come to the Lord. Let's see an entire wing of cancer of a hospital shut down because of God's healing power. The kids believe it. Are we little boys and little girls still with this great big dad that that has no limits on his potential power and goodness? So we've got three really ways of thinking, orphans, slaves, and sons and daughters. Orphans, let me just paraphrase this just for a moment here. I've preached on this, and I'm sure you can find it. So you have sons who receive, sons who know they belong, sons and daughters. Just, just so you know, ladies, if we can be the bride of Christ as men, you can be sons occasionally too, okay? Just blanket that. So sons and daughters know they belong. They know their place at the table. They know that they are children of God. They know that they are good enough. They know they are a royal priesthood. They know that they are holy and called for such a time as this. They know they are worthy. That's sons and daughters. 
Now, orphans don't think they belong. Orphans never think they're worthy enough. They don't believe they have a seat at the table, that they'll never measure up, that, that they'd just be better off just maybe in the distance or maybe even forgotten about. And a lot of times it's connected to shame or, or different things in their past or different lies that they've be, begin to believe, that they're not worthy, that they're too stupid, that they don't belong. Slaves, they, they think they have to earn it. Slaves, you know, coming out of Egypt, or if you look at the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal left as an orphan, the son stayed in the house, the brother stayed in the house as a slave, said, I've earned, I've, I've worked. Here, your son left. This is when he was throwing a party. We just went over the story a few months ago. And, and he says, the son left and he took your inheritance early. I've been at the house faithful to you, serving, making sure the, the house is ran and the farm is ran and the business is ran, right? I've been working hard. And he leaves with everything and then he comes back and, and, and you throw a party? Now the son left because he felt he was an orphan. He didn't belong. And he says he spent his, his inheritance on riotous living, recapping what I've just preached on. And it says in the hog pen, this, this prodigal, this orphan son, in the hog pen, it says he came to his senses. Or it says that he came to himself, his divine nature who God created him to be, right? So he comes to this, he has this experience, comes back to the father. The father lavishes him with these gifts and this big party. Now you have the older son who with a slave mentality thinking, he doesn't deserve it. I've worked harder. The son left as an orphan, but he came back as a son. The prodigal left as an orphan because he didn't belong, didn't feel he was worthy, and had a hard time returning. Then all of a sudden he says he came to himself. I think there was an impartation in that hog pen in this story. And I think it was revealing the spirit of adoption. Because then when he came back, he received as a son. He received the fatted calf. He received the sandals, the coat, the, the insignia ring, right? He received these lavish gifts because he knew who he was. Let me just say, that's a huge key to sonship. That's a huge key to freedom in the life of Christ and seeing him as Abba Father is knowing who we are and whose we are. Sometimes we have to learn who we're not to also learn who we are. We are not an orphan. I am not a slave. I'm a son. Let, 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 me, let me move on here. See, God has this plan to, to redeem it all. And, and a lot of times we want to we still walk in the identity of the lies in which we believed or we've gotten comfortable with or the lies in which we're walking as an orphan or a slave. Or sometimes that's even more comfortable to go back to. If you think about it, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt, oftentimes they'd say, if we go back to Egypt and slavery, at least we know where our food's coming from. At least we know we'll have shelter. Moses is trying to get them to the promised land from a word from the Lord, from provision from the Lord, frequent provision, crazy stuff happening, water flowing out of rocks, bread dropping from the sky, right? All these things that are happening. And then constantly they're like, well, if we go back to slavery, at least we know it's certain we'll eat. Instead of trusting the God as free people. Sometimes that's more comfortable. But God always calls us by name. He always calls us in our identity as a son and a daughter. There's oftentimes in the Bible, and we still reference him as blind Bartimaeus when his sight was restored. Or the woman at the well, he restored her identity. Not, not the previous four or five, I think it was five marriages or something. Like, no, you're not that. Or the woman caught in adultery. Go, sin no more, that's not who you are. The woman with the issue of blood. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Calling by the true identity, not the ailment and the lie that would identify them in the culture. 
We got addicts in here. We got former inmates and prisoners in here. We've got people that have had divorce. We've got people that are redeemed from abortion in here. That's not your identity. That's not who you any longer are. You are a son and you are a daughter of the Most High King and you are precious and you are no longer a system in the, in the courts. You are no longer a number in that system. You're a son, you're a daughter. You're no longer who people know you as maybe in the world that you used to be. This is powerful. And then we get to walk in that identity. And it's just, we get to learn to be sons and daughters, free. There's a learning experience in that. There's a transformation that takes place. There's an embodiment of Christ in us that allows us to be more like him as we go and mature in that. It's good. 1 John 3.1 says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That's what we are. Hebrews 4, he references this, that we can boldly approach his throne of grace. We get to boldly, confidently approach the throne of God because we are sons and daughters. When I go to my dad's house, now out of honor, respect, and not wanting to see or maybe hear things that I don't want to hear, I knock. And then I go in. They let me in. Now once I'm in, I'm like, you got anything to eat? Well, you got to drink here. Especially when I'm not, like, trying to eat healthy and, like, on a kick. Like, man, you got any ginger ale in there? What's up? You got any Debbie's, Dad? You're diabetic, but I know you got something for me. It's our inheritance. What's in my dad's house and Patty's house, it's mine. They would freely give it to me because they're a mother and a father. That's a family, right? I'm not holding back. Maybe occasionally a rollover, too. He might be hiding from me. But other than that, like... My dad loves Rolos. <laughs> Too many people, honestly, have been trying to teach how to be fathers and mothers when it really starts with being sons and daughters. And let me, let me just finish this up, and then we'll get on to the impartation. It's about who you are before it's about what you do. It's not, it's, it's not performance. It's, it's positional. I'm a son. Listen, I don't, have to, I don't have to teach my babies that they're my daughters. I don't have to teach them that. They, they know that, okay? And, and they're just as much my daughter when I'm taking care of them and feeding them and, and changing their diapers as much as when they're pitching in, cleaning out the chicken coop now. They were my daughter then, not doing anything, not, not, not helping us in any way and us having to care for them as much as they're my daughter now. It's the same thing in the kingdom. You're, you're just a son. You're just a daughter, you get to be a human being and just be still and know he's God. Let, let, me, let me move on. I love what Lave says. He has this quote that I, I reference all the time. Once you believe in Jesus, you get saved. Once you realize he believes in you, you get transformed. I want to I talk about this difference today. My daughter the other day, she's like, you referenced something in your message that, he, that God loves you and he likes you. What did you mean by that? Isn't love stronger than liking? Man, what a great conversation. We had this great conversation. So in their card today, on every one of them, I put, I love you and I like you. I signed it. And then I always put XOXOXO. So here's the difference. God not only loves you, he likes you. The Father not only loves you, he likes you. I'm required to love you. Okay, I'm required to love you as, as good Christian brothers and sisters. I'm required to love my neighbor as myself. But recently, we invited her over for a barbecue. That meant we like her. I, I love her because she's my neighbor. I'm obligated to love. God, and it's in our minds, it's easy for us to grasp that. God was obligated to create us, forgive us, die on a cross for us. Like, that's, that's easy for us to comprehend most of the time. Sometimes. 
easier than, he actually, though, wants to spend time with us. He actually adores us. Like, if he had a refrigerator in heaven, our picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, our picture would be in it. And he'd be bragging to everybody about it. He likes us as sons and daughters. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to do recreation with us. He wants to adore us and be proud of us. He wants to hang out with us. That's his thing. He not only loves us, he likes us. Let me, let me move on. There's this thing that I, that's called spirit of adoption. We're going to go to scripture here. Two different times Paul writes about it. I want to start in Galatians 4. We're going to close. Maybe Matt could come up on the piano. This was the hardest week planning, and I don't know why, the message. Um, had tons of notes, tons of notes. I spent almost all week just trying to, like, trim it down. Like, I know it's too much. I know it's too much. Kept trimming, trimming, trimming. I've still only got through about half of it. But the Lord knows. And uh, you can just thank the Lord that he'll make a way here. There's this thing called spirit of adoption. And, and we're going to reference it here in Galatians 4 and Romans 8. And it talks about, Paul's talking about the spirit of adoption coming upon us. Now, I want to just talk about the spirit of adoption because there's no greater thing that will break off lies from us than the love of a father. There's no greater thing that will break off um, rejection and abandonment than the acceptance of Abba Father. There's no greater thing in your life that will break off trauma than the grace and the goodness of God the Father. There's, there's nothing more powerful than that. And it, you can see just a measure of that on earth. You know, Nicole, we'll be busy, and I'll ask her, hey, could you, go, could you go do this for me? No, I'm busy. Her dad calls. Could you look this up online for me? Yes, absolutely. She wants to honor and please her father. There's something inherently within us to please the father. There is a nature within us to please the father. It is in us. And when that doesn't happen on earth, there is rejection, there is abandonment, there is hurt, there is trauma, and all of those things. Just, just imagine that. So there is nothing like the, the removal of all that except through the love and the, the receiving of the spirit of adoption where we realize we are children and sons and daughters of this great big God who created the universe, who created us, who called us by name before we were ever born, who numbered the hairs on our head. This is the God of the universe who picked you for such a time as this, who calls you for this moment in time in history to make a change to the people around you. He's putting that new turban, that priestly head covering over you so that you can go in the identity that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, seeing ourselves as a son and daughter rather than an orphan or a slave. It's a new way of thinking that I get to come up in repentance and think from the penthouse of thinking. Last week we referenced this. It's, it's something about the head covering. And, and when, when he sees this picture, it wasn't just about changing out the, 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 the outfit. It was also the covering of a new way of thinking that I go as a son and daughter now. That nugget was free. The spirit of adoption confirms that we're not rejected, we're accepted. We're not just tolerated, we're celebrated. There's this thing that I can't explain it, honestly. I can't, I can't explain it. I remember the moment I had this impartation of the Father and I felt this thing in my heart and I began to weep and I began to realize, man, he loves me. I'm his son. I'm a prince. I'm a son. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm basically a brother of Jesus in a sense. There's this thing like I can't explain it all. But, you know, my kids can't explain why I'm their dad. I'm just their dad. 
because I love them and they know it and they feel it and they sense it. We have relationship and we talk and we do this journey called life and this adventure and when I hurt them, I apologize and I seek forgiveness. That's the journey of life with a father and a child. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. He has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts that we can cry out as sons and daughters, Abba, Father. Let, let me just paint this picture. Abba, Father translates to, the da, to today's language as Daddy. An affectionate, dear term that's close. That's not this distant, respectful term of, 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 okay, if I'm good enough, he'll love me. If I do enough, if I'm good enough at this sport, or if, I'm, if I get good enough uh, promotions at this job, my dad will then be proud of me and I'll be significant in his life. No, the spirit comes in and I begin to realize who I am and whose I am. And my dad's a king and I cry out, Daddy! So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir to God, meaning all of what heaven has becomes my inheritance. All of what heaven has to offer is my inheritance. And I don't know about you, but I've read what's in heaven, and I've read that there is no sorrow, there is no pain, there is no sadness, there is no debt, there is no illness, there is no divorce, there is no abuse, there is no trauma, there is no rejection. That doesn't exist in heaven. So as an heir, as a son or a daughter, now I get to walk in the fullness as a child of God, crying out, Daddy, and all that he has to offer in his kingdom is part of my family inheritance. He says it basically in the same way in Romans 8. I want to repeat it because Paul must feel this is important to confront more than one church with this letter. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We will feel, Jesus felt what we felt. We will feel what he feels, but that we may also be in glory with him. We are sons and daughters, heirs, co-heirs with Christ. Let me finish this up by talking about the power of adoption. I got to hang out with a couple of buddies that I hadn't seen in a few years this weekend. If you're new here, we're, we're a little past time. We may be a longer church than what you're used to, especially today. But I need to close this out with a fitting impartation and a significant story here. So, I was hanging out with these buddies. They're from Iowa, Ankeny, Iowa. They're brothers. The oldest brother's a pastor, and the youngest brother, he travels and does these amazing things around the world and nation. And, I started to, he started to, David, Dave Olson started to share about his son, and he's this big boy, he's 15, and he's so cuddly, and just this precious kid, you know, and he's just like, rubs on him, dad, I love you, man, come here, bring it in, bring it in, dad, 
And I was like, man, I have a nephew that's just like that. This boy right here, he's like six, two or three now. Are you 14, about to be 15, 14 years old? And I was like, man, he does that. And he's so kind and loving and gentle. He's this gentle giant. And he just, see, he gets next to his mom. And his mom's like this short. And he just loves on her and just brings it in. And I was like, I was just bragging on Judah. And you know what's crazy is they said, oh, wow, that's so. He's, and they're like, how tall is his dad? I said, 5'10". How tall is his mom? I was like, I don't know, maybe five, seven or eight. I don't know how tall you are. Am I generous there? Five, three. They're like, isn't that amazing how God will just do that randomly and just have this talking? I was like, yeah. I never once told them that Judah was adopted. I don't see him that way. He's my nephew. He's their son. It's this powerful thing. And I just want to talk about the power of adoption. And I want to tell you that it is actually more significant. Judah is more significant to be adopted than to be naturally born to somebody. In the Hebrew culture and in our culture still today, you have to go through a series of things to prove that you're fit to be a parent. Then you go through the court system and they called us all in. I remember when Judah was a baby, they called us in and they, they called us into this thing and maybe a couple years had to go by. I forget how old he was when it had to become official. But Matt and Amy were raising him and then all of a sudden the judge calls us in and he calls and he's talking to Matt and Amy. He's like, are you gonna provide for this child? Are you gonna do this and this and this? And are you gonna abide by the laws? Are you gonna you know, always provide for him? They said, yes, yes we will. And then they looked to us as family, extended family, everybody in the room. They said, will you guys do the same? Are you going to provide for them? Are you gonna help? Just like we do baby dedications here. We involve the whole church and the family that's there present and the parents that are dedicating the baby. And I just remember that, like we had to do that. And then they had to sign a paper and they have a legal obligation by the courts of law to uphold raising this boy. When a dad decides not to be a father, a mother has to go to court and fight for rights and fight for him to be involved and fight for him to support that child. This has already been settled. The courts already made a ruling. They will provide no matter what. The same thing would happen in Jewish custom. And, and, and here's the big thing is, I love it that Paul talks about this and calls it the spirit of adoption. Because you are not only created by Abba Father, he then, through the power of the cross and Jesus, then he chose you for adoption. Which to me is more powerful than being naturally born into something that we were chose again. We were chose, we were handpicked and hand selected. And then by the redeeming cross, chose for the spirit of adoption it is a legal right and we are heirs to the throne of the kingdom that's powerful it's powerful in Hebrew culture back in the day it's powerful now it's honored in the eyes of court and there's so much more with it that I don't have the time to go into right now that makes it so amazing when somebody's adopted we have several adoption stories in our family and it's something that's so powerful because that's a choice Judah you were chose just happened to come here by mistake and then oh you landed here no you were hand selected by God you were chose by him for the spirit of adoption and you were hand picked for this family for such a time as this let me just tell you 
each and every one of you has the same exact story in Christ. You are hand-selected, hand-picked. You didn't just happen to pop up on the earth one day. You're not matter just taking up time and space. You are divine, created vessels called sons and daughters of God who were bought with a price, who were created for such a time as this. And now get the spirit of adoption to cry out, Abba, Father, stand with me. God not only loves you, he likes you. And I believe this, he's wanting to pour out the spirit of adoption today, no matter what story you came from. Maybe like Corey, you came from a broken home. Maybe, maybe like me, you have this champion dad that's just awesome. Maybe you had a crummy dad who's not awesome. I don't know, I don't know each of your stories. Or maybe at times you look at God as this, this male figure in your life that maybe wasn't even your dad. Beyond all that, God is this perfect, perfect father who didn't just happen to have kids. No, he's choosing to father us. He's choosing to save us. He's choosing to adopt us because he loves you that much. You are that significant in the kingdom. You are that significant in this family called the kingdom of God and in this family called Upper Room. You are that significant. I believe today he wants to fill your hearts with the spirit of adoption. And I believe he wants to knock off all rejection, all abandonment, all, all things that were transferring that bad stuff to God or maybe other church leadership or pastors or managers in your workplace. I believe he wants to replace that right now and become the very father, the very lover, the very companion, the very champion that you need in your life. I'll just be honest. Like it says in the Bible that today is the day of salvation. I believe that this is one of those moments every day, but I believe that this is one of those moments that today is the day of salvation, that, that today you came to this place not knowing that some wild preacher was going to come from some memorial service and talk about sonship on Father's Day so that you could be bought with the spirit of adoption through the cross, through, the, through Christ, through the Father, that you could cry out, Abba, Father, today and knock off every rejection and every abandonment and everything to walk out of here as free sons and daughters. No longer orphans or slaves, no longer slave to fear, but free sons and daughters. So would you just hold out your hands? I'm just going to pray that God the Father provides the spirit of adoption right now, that he will just absolutely confirm to you, prove to you in your own way, the way that you need it, that you are his very own son or daughter, and you get to cry out, Daddy. You get to be a little boy and a little girl with a great big dad. So just close your eyes. Lord, right now, we just ask for the spirit of adoption. We ask that abuse, trauma falls off in the name of Jesus right now, whether it was from a father or a man right now. We just ask that you replace all rejection with acceptance right now. That you replace all trauma with your perfect love and peace right now. All abandonment comes to your acceptance right now in Jesus' name. Bill, there are some ladies in this house right now that as little girls, some bad things happened to you. And you've been distant from the Lord because of that. Man, he wants to draw so near to you in this moment. Maybe even as young married ladies, something bad happened to you. The Lord wants to draw so near to you in this moment and wash that all away and forgive all of what happened. Maybe some young men in this house too. Lord, we thank you right now that you are replacing lies with your truths, that you're replacing false identities and, and orphan and slave mentalities with son and, and daughter thinking, Lord. 
We thank you that we're being renewed by our minds right now. We're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just going to wait for just a moment here. Lord, do your thing. Adopt us with the spirit of your adoption. So your spirit will come alive in our spirit. salvation, being saved, healed, and delivered. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of sozo, saved, healed, and delivered. Lord, let us lift our hands up freely, sons and daughters, little boys and girls with a great big daddy. Lord, if we're holding on to shame, we're holding on to rejection, it's hard to lift our hands. So Lord, I pray you remove all shame right now. You remove all rejection right now, all inferiority right now. That you remove every thought of not belonging right now. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, I'll be honest. When I was, after a transition, I was like, man said it all, I just might dismiss. Glad I didn't. But I, I just want to just encourage you, just now walk out as free sons and daughters. Sometimes it's that, it's that new turban, it's that new crown, it's that new way of thinking. Listen, a king has to think differently. David had to think differently as a king than he did with a slingshot. It's this new way of thinking, and those were all training for now the reigning. There's training for the rain. Now we think differently. So I just encourage you to walk free. That Everybody say this. I belong. I'm accepted. I'm his beloved. Say, I'm a son or daughter. We are children of the Most High King, and he absolutely loves you. Now let's all cry out, Abba Father. Daddy. Happy Father's Day to Abba Father. Bless you guys. We're going to ask our prayer team to come. Um, if you have a prayer need, if you don't know Jesus as Messiah, if you want further information about some of this or anything I spoke on today, or you just need prayer in a situation, we're going to have leaders up here to pray with you. God bless you. Happy Father's Day to all the dads and men. Don't forget your gifts on the way out. <laughs>